carried out by someone who held at least the rank of major, and Hillsborough was the only one available. There was no shortage of men who would have jumped at the prospect of a jolly to London, but Hillsborough was not one of them. He had climbed out of bed that morning, as he had every day since his arrival, looking forward to getting his teeth into his new appointment. It was his first senior command posting, and having completed his handover from the Phoebeus intelligence officer the day before, he was imbued with an invigorating feeling of his own importance. Now, suddenly, he was nothing more than a messenger, carrying an important diplomatic package to Bagram Air Base, where a plane was waiting to fly him to the UK. He had no idea what was inside the briefcase chained to his wrist, and he didn't particularly care. This trip was a bloody nuisance, and he already knew that he wouldn't be able to wait to get back to Afghanistan. Hillsborough checked his watch, a shiny steel Rolex analogue that his wife had given him on his last birthday. Not more than twenty minutes, the pilot had told him, but Hillsborough displayed none of the sense of urgency and importance that the embassy attaché had ascribed to the mission. The man had not even given him a guesstimated return date, and the worst-case scenario was that he could be gone for weeks. The crewman sat with his elbows on his knees, supporting his large, helmeted head, while he stared at the floor as he did a rough calculation of his own. He had three days left of his tour of duty, and his name was on the operations board under just two more scheduled trips. But since this particular excursion had been unexpected, he wondered if he might not have to do only one of his planned trips because of it. At the end of the day, it didn't matter, though as long as in seventy-eight hours he was on that big, beautiful C-130 and heading for England. He could already taste that first pint in his local and hear the boisterous laughter of his mates at the bar. Hillsborough sat back in his seat and concentrated on easing the tension in his neck muscles that had tightened since boarding the Merlin. He wasn't sure where the stress had come from, since he was generally a relaxed individual, even on helicopter flights. He put it down to the anxiety of this unexpected and disruptive mission. He raised a hand to scratch an itch on his eyebrow, inadvertently pulling on the short chain attached to the briefcase, yanking it off his lap and forcing him to make a quick grab for it. Having something chained to his wrist was a new experience for him. The crewman glanced at the Major, wondering if he was nervous. "'You okay, sir?' he called out, leaning forward. "'What?' Hillsborough shouted back, unsure what the man had said. The crewman was about to repeat himself when he changed his mind, reached above his head, removed a headset from a hook, unravelled the cable wrapped around the earpieces, and handed it to Hillsborough, who put it on. "'Be there in fifteen, the crewman shouted. "'Yes,' "'Right,' the Major said. The crewman shook his head as he touched his helmet alongside his ear and pointed to a small control box on the cable at Hillsborough's chest. Hillsborough found the box and pressed a button on it. Uh, "'Yes, thank you.' The crewman gave him a thumbs-up, and Hillsborough looked back out of the window to see the city already in the distance, a couple of thousand feet below. A lonely black road directly below grew from the urban sprawl like a vine, and passed below the helicopter. He turned in his seat to examine it, 
as it weaved ahead across a vast, open, treeless land known as the Shomali Plains, where half a dozen small villages or hamlets were spaced out on either side, some of them miles back from it. At the end of the plain, the road snaked tightly up into a range of lumpy hills before disappearing short of the crest. What appeared to be some kind of ancient fortress came into view almost directly below, a hundred or so neatly spaced blocks of houses surrounded by a high rectangular mud wall. It appeared to be abandoned, and Hillsborough studied it until it moved out of sight beneath him. The Merlin banked easily when it neared the craggy hills, the highest crest a thousand feet above them. Instead of climbing, the craft remained at the same height and changed direction once again to fly parallel with the range. Two vehicles, eleven o'clock,' said a scratchy voice over Hillsborough's headset. The sighting...